Can you set the stage a little bit so people understand what happened? In 1969, 14 black student athletes were kicked off their university's American football team for planning a show of support against racism. We were really protesting our treatment on the field. Amazing Sports Stories from the BBC World Service tells their story. We became brothers that day when you did that to us. We made a change. Fighting for what we deserve. Search for Amazing Sports Stories wherever you get your BBC podcasts. This is The Word, a podcast from Slate. I'm your host, Jason Johnson. After a year of COVID lockdowns and remote learning, millions of American families are sending their children back to full-time, in-person schooling. But many Black parents are saying, no thanks. As many parents are flocking to homeschooling due to COVID, parents themselves are struggling with understanding the freedoms that they have and not trying to replicate a traditional school experience in their homeschool experience. Why more Black families are choosing homeschooling. Coming up on A Word with me, Jason Johnson. Stay with us. Welcome to A Word, a podcast about race and politics and everything else. I'm your host, Jason Johnson. The COVID crisis forced many American families to keep children at home for school during much of the last year. That was especially true for African Americans, who saw the most dramatic rise in a home-based learning experience of any racial group. The rate of homeschooling more than quadrupled, according to the U.S. Census Bureau. But even as many kids are returning to brick-and-mortar classrooms, a growing number of black families have decided to continue teaching their kids at home. One of the people they're turning to for help and information is Khadija Ali Coleman. She's an educator and a homeschooling mother and the co-founder of the organization Black Family Homeschool Educators and Scholars. And Dr. Khadija Ali Coleman joins us now. Welcome to A Word. Thank you so much for having me. Even though you were homeschooling before COVID, the pandemic is a key part of your story as an educator. So I have to point this out. You were defending your thesis at Morgan State University, where I am faculty on March 13th of 2020, which is literally the day before my birthday. So this is very special, uh, which for many of us was kind of the last day before everything locked down. What was it like finishing your doctorate, defending, knowing you're a homeschool parent, like it, it was the beginning of the lockdown, this, did it open up something in your brain where you're like, oh my God, this is going to be the beginning of a new movement? Like how the lockdown affect how you looked at homeschooling? I will tell you that even de- deciding to do my dissertation um, involving uh, or looking at homeschooling, my, my doctoral program was community college or is community college leadership, right? And so I had been teaching community college for over 10 years and decided this topic because of the the growth in dual enrolled students that I was having, but also homeschool students. And so I got a lot of pushback from even deciding to do this because this population is just really, was really on the fringes before COVID. So when COVID happened and then all of these stories you hear about, you know, um, moving to virtual learning, parents in a panic, schools in a panic, and really these decisions to homeschool, it really made my dissertation more relevant than I could have ever imagined. (laughs) 
And so um, I immediately started getting feedback from folks or questions from folks as to, you know, what are your thoughts, Khadija? Um, the schools, you know, it's just so much moving to a virtual environment. I feel like I can do it this better myself. And so I immediately started going into Maven mode of, you know, creating creating YouTube videos on homeschooling due to um, COVID because this is really a different type of experience, I think, for parents um, homeschooling in response to a global health pandemic um, rather than the experience that me and other veteran homeschoolers had where we were really had decided to homeschool before the pandemic. There were a lot of, of black people who are moving to homeschooling before the pandemic. Uh, the National Center for Education Statistics reported that like homeschooling amongst black people from like 07 to 2016 had doubled anyway. I have family members who have homeschooled their kids. Sometimes it was for health reasons. Uh, sometimes it was just for distance reasons. Sometimes it was for safety reasons. In your experience, what are the reasons that black people are choosing to homeschool their children? And how might that differ from white families or Asian American families or, or other sort of demographic groups? That, that's a great question because, yes, prior to COVID-19, um, you were seeing all the reasons that you stated and even more. Um, there are researchers such as Dr. Leah Baker out of University in Wisconsin. I pulled from her research and, of course, my colleague Cheryl Field-Smith a lot um, for my literature review because their data show that, yes, black people choosing to homeschooling, very different than the experience of white families where you had black families deciding because of everything from behavioral issues, uniforms, hairstyles, things becoming so punitive to just what many um, families look at as being um, racial Profiling. I know in my research study, talking to the children themselves, that some of these children um, who were in public school before deciding to homeschool, feeling that before when they were in school, not being able to self-pace or being able to progress further or their um, success uh, looked at as being not real. I remember talking to one young lady who said that her teacher wouldn't, couldn't believe that she had finished reading all these books that were assigned during class or that she had got, already read them and had completed a lot of the assignments before they were due and having those types of experiences. So very different than where a lot of white families um, decide to homeschool a lot because of religious reasons. Also, a lot of times not really wanting to um, be in a school that they look at as being liberal or not having some of their own conservative ideals. So the difference is very blatant between the two populations in terms of choosing to homeschool. We're going to take a short break. We come back more on black families and homeschooling. This is A Word with Jason Johnson. Stay tuned. This is Jason Johnson, host of A Word, Slate's podcast about race and politics and everything else. I want to take a moment to welcome our new listeners. If you've discovered A Word and like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. And let us know what you think by writing us at a word at slate.com. Thank you. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. 
Ramps business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramps software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to A Word with Jason Johnson. Today, we're talking about homeschooling for black families with educator Khadija Ali Coleman. So one of the things that I think uh, a lot of people misinterpret about homeschooling is the social aspect. I have, as a, as a college professor, I had a number of kids who were homeschooled. And, and you wouldn't necessarily know the difference. Dispel the myth about the idea that homeschooling means that your kid is going to be some weirdo, you know, sitting at home who never interacts with anybody. Talk about how you can still have a, a fully functionally socialized child, even if they're being taught at home. What we fail to really address a lot of times is that in traditional schools, when I say traditional school settings, I'm, I'm referring to public, private, charter learning environments. Um, we fail to really be real about how um, segmented children's time is, how even in during lunchtime and recess, a lot of times you, ha- you have children complaining because they can't talk during lunch. And when we even talk about homeschooling, the practice is really dependent on the family themselves. And very rarely do you find um, black families replicating a traditional type of school setting that you will find in a school. So Learning moves from being this lecturous, um, I'm in a desk, books and and pens. You know, during um, COVID-19, what became very popular was the pandemic pods. (laughs) But but really not mentioning that for years, for decades, um, homeschooling families do what is called um, cooperatives. And they started where parents... Uh, You know, let's say that me and um, three other parents want to teach our children all together, but we take turns. So you have these these very organic gatherings that happen, but also homeschooling families um, taking advantage of everything from the offerings in their state, from parks and recreation, local clubs, and even some states allow for homeschooling students to still be involved in the sports that are offered by the schools. So it really is dependent on the family. It's dependent on where the, the family is located because state policies differ throughout the nation so that there's really no federal um, homeschooling mandate. So what you may find or be allowed to do in one state may differ from another. Your early education shaped your vision about what education for black children should look like and what it does look like today. So can you tell us a little bit about your early education? What what inspired you when you were a child? Were you homeschooled as a kid? That's a great question, Jason, because that's actually what the research shows as well, that many homeschooling parents, homeschool, a a lot of it is influenced by their own experiences. No, I wasn't homeschooled personally, but I'm the oldest of five children, and my mother did homeschool my brother. And I'm significantly older than my siblings, and so when he was being homeschooled for middle school, I was a young adult. And that was really the first time that that 
even came into my consciousness as a possibility. My mother was a mathematician. Um, she was brilliant. And so learning was, was fundamental in my home. I look at all of that as influencing not necessarily the decision to homeschool, but the decision of looking at learning as being flexible. So it could be in any type of space, any manifestation that we can create and that works best for our family. What kinds of things do you hear that black families are able to teach their kids at home that they cannot get in a public school? Oh, wow. That is such a, a nuanced question. I appreciate that because it allows me to speak to these so-called soft skills that we always hear about, which are really fundamental to our human experience, right? So, you know, when we talk about the ability to communicate, when we talk about knowing what your strengths are, knowing about these relationships that you speak of, a lot of that really, it relies on having body agency, right? You really can't have a clear idea about what your strengths and interests are, how you relate to other people, unless you have agency to engage in these types of interactions with self and with others. And what homeschooling, you know, that was consistently the message that I was receiving from the young people that I interviewed for my um, study is that homeschooling, I was able to find out what it is I do well, what it is I like. I was able to focus on the things that maybe I wasn't that strong in, but I had more time. Or this is something I really like and I can just go as far ahead as I want. And these are the things that they looked at as preparing them for some of those spaces that we have labeled as being the determinants of success. We're going to take a short break. We come back more on homeschooling in the black community. This is a word with Jason Johnson. Stay tuned. Can you set the stage a little bit so people understand what happened? In 1969, 14 black student athletes were kicked off their university's American football team for planning a show of support against racism. We were really protesting our treatment on the field. Amazing Sports Stories from the BBC World Service tells their story. We became brothers that day when he did that to us. We made a change. Fighting for what we deserve. Search for Amazing Sports Stories wherever you get your BBC podcasts. You're listening to A Word with Jason Johnson. Today, we're talking about homeschooling children of color with Khadijah Ali Coleman of the Black Family Homeschool Educators and Scholars Group. What is the point where either you as a parent say, honey, I got to take you out of school. We got to do this at home. Or what is the conversation where your son or your daughter comes to you and says, I want to be homeschooled? And how do you determine when that's this needs to be a fundamental change to their education versus they're having a bad week, right? Versus, you know, they just don't feel like going to school. How do you know when that moment is? And then I know this is kind of complicated, but I want to add to this. And then what's the ramp up time? Because, you know, if your son or daughter comes home from school today in central Tennessee and is like, hey, I want to get homeschooled, you're, you're not going to be able to have that set up by next Thursday. So how do you know? And then how do you start it? I've been homeschooling off and on. See, I'm in the new transition in my life. I actually graduated my daughter this past May from my homeschool. She came to me before she started ninth grade to say that she wanted to, to go back to homeschooling. So she had been homeschooled prior to middle school and came back and was like, I would like to return to homeschooling. And for me, that was significant because I knew that in middle school, 
She had a, a large friend base. I know that she had had many positive experiences. There were some that weren't too great, but for the most part, it was positive. So when she said she wanted to, to homeschool, that was to me, I need to do everything to support this because she's now at a point where she knows the differences and she knows what she wants. But these are some things that I looked at. And, and these are some things that I would recommend. First of all, whether you homeschool or not, I really recommend having the ability to have conversations with your child and, and creating a space where they feel comfortable to share with you how they are feeling. And you are observant enough to see things that they may not say. That type of um, engagement will really determine what you act on. If you have a child that you know that they may not be so open to, to, to share, but there are things that happen in the school that you know, and our intuition, we have it for a reason, that you know are not in place or not functioning in a way where you can make a decision on whether or not you want your child to just push through it or you want to provide a space for them not to have to engage in a toxic environment. It is not going to be an easy decision if you have never homeschooled before, and you need to know that. What are the challenges that people may face in, in terms of homeschooling when you're a single parent? What I am learning from women who are single moms and also working is that we share a lot in common, and that is that the, the jobs that we take on usually are ones that we know are flexible enough to either include the ability to bring our children or have hours that accommodate us to be able to work and also have our children engage in activities and things where it's not really um, a conflict. For example, I don't teach anymore, teach college anymore, but I did for over 10 years while my daughter, while I was homeschooling her because of the flexibility of teaching college, I could bring her with me. And that actually is what led her to want to just start taking college classes while she was in high school and she earned her associates two months ago. But those are the kinds of things that you have to determine. So it really took me off of a trajectory of what I was on if, and I would have gone on if I wasn't homeschooling because I literally was taking jobs and doing things that were going to be conducive to me being able to homeschool. So a lot of mothers who are serious about homeschooling have decided that their work is going to be what is um, convenient for them to still be able to be successful as homeschoolers. Do you think that there are going to be more black families who once this pandemic is completely over, are like, I want to keep doing this. Or do you think, you know, you'll you'll have some startup fatigue and there'll be people who are like, you know what, I just cannot wait to send Dre and Keisha back to school because this is taking too much energy. What do you think what do you think this homeschool movement's gonna look like in, in you know two years? I, I think it's gonna even out. I think it was still rising before the pandemic, but I think it's gonna have a, a mix of both of what you, you mentioned, where it's um the parents who are really just waiting out for the schools to get it together, right? You you're definitely gonna see a return. Um, but I what I I think is really interesting is that and, and what I haven't seen the media um cover as much is that not only are black families choosing to homeschool in record numbers, but a lot of teachers are leaving the profession because a lot of teachers are seeing there isn't decision making that respects them as educators or they don't feel that their health and their well-being is being taken care of. And my group has seen an influx of former teachers 
trying to get in on the homeschool craze and creating their own micro schools and, you know, renting their services out as contract teachers. And so it's really interesting if taking a look at the ecosystem. And I think by 2023, we're going to see those of us who are veteran homeschoolers are probably going to still try to put a stake in maintaining this notion that homeschooling does not have to replicate a traditional space. And it's going to be interesting to see how now all this influx is going to influence the ecosystem. And and I'm really curious to see where that goes. Dr. Khadija Ali Coleman is the co-founder of the Black Family Homeschool Educators and Scholars Group. Thank you so much for joining us on A Word today. Oh, thank you for having me. And that's A Word for this week. The show's email is a word at slate.com. This episode was produced by Ayana Angel and Jasmine Ellis. Asha Salusha is the managing producer of podcasts at Slate. Gabriel Roth is Slate's editorial director for audio. Alicia Montgomery is the executive producer of podcasts at Slate. June Thomas is senior managing producer of the Slate Podcast Network. Our theme music was produced by Don Will. I'm Jason Johnson. Tune in next week for a word. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Dahlia Lithwick, host of Slate's legal podcast, Amicus. If you're listening to this show, you might be interested in Amicus's live show that we're hosting in Washington, D.C. on Tuesday, May the 14th. My colleague, Mark Joseph Stern, and I will be talking to some amazing guests, including Sherilyn Eiffel and a sitting state Supreme Court justice all about how originalism, a relatively recently invented way of interpreting the Constitution, has taken over the Supreme Court and radically reshaped the law. It's been doctrinal rocket fuel for the conservative legal movement and facilitated the rolling back of abortion rights, the expansion of gun rights, and the obliteration of the separation of church and state. And as another wildly consequential Supreme Court term careers to its end, the court's originalists are on a tear. But there's something you can do about it. And we hope you'll join us in D.C. on May 14th to explore the possible pathways out of the current situation. Go to slate.com slash amicus live for tickets.